Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quick talk. Fast talk. Street talk. Talk radio. The independent republic of Mike Graham. Radio you can believe in. Mike Graham speaking common sense unto the nation. On talk radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here at Talk Radio where there's no hiding place from the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. But you knew that, right? Common sense appears to have broken out inside Downey Street, possibly for the first time ever. It's only taken Boris Johnson two years of listening to us at the world headquarters of Common Sense, but now he's gone and done it. On the front page of the newspapers this morning, finally, a voice of common sense. I mean, it's almost as though we invented it and now everybody else is claiming it. Yesterday, the Prime Minister came out fighting for women and declared that biological males should not be allowed to compete in female sports. And he said that it was vital that women had safe spaces like changing rooms and toilets from which trans people are excluded. Bravo, Boris. Uh, It shouldn't be big news, however, but somehow it is. It comes after weeks and weeks of mealy-mouthed answers, straightforward evasion and avoidance of the woman question by scores of Labour MPs and other people in the public eye, just days after a campaign was launched demanding people uh, standing in elections point out their positions on gender or fail to get the people's vote, particularly the vote of some women. Up first this morning, we've got commentator Richard Taylor reporting in from Wales. We'll get his take on Boris's pronouncement and the outbreak of common sense at Downing Street. Let's hope it's the beginning of something good. And he'll be telling us how bad business confidence is in his part of the world. 0344. 499-1000. Lawyer and campaigner Nick Freeman joins us as well following the latest news from the world of e-scooters. Apparently riders are at greater risk of injury than anyone travelling on any other form of transport and that includes motorcycles. Calls to ban them though so far are falling on deaf ears and more and more and more of them are beginning to appear on our streets. I think it's going to be something terrible uh, that's going to have to happen before they decide actually these things are a really terrible idea. Donald McLeod is checking in from Glasgow as well. Uh, nightclub owner, entrepreneur, businessman of course He'll tell us what the state of play is in Scotland these days and how business is going in the nighttime economy post-COVID. That's right, because we are post-COVID. Don't believe anybody who tells you otherwise. We've also got hold of a study that says working from home is actually bad for the environment. So get back to the office now if you really want to save the planet. All you virtue signalling greenies, if you really think you're doing something to help save the planet by not travelling to work every day, well, guess what? You're not actually doing that. 0344 499 1000. We'll bring the government's latest energy security strategy, which involves making 95% of Britain's electricity from nuclear and renewables by 2030. And we'll be talking to American documentary maker Amy Horowitz about a whole host of subjects from Donald Trump to Elon Musk from the White House to NATO. You won't want to miss any of that. And as it's Thursday, Helena Nicholas is here too with a selection of fine wines to sample in the Thursday Club. 0344 499 1000. As ever, of course, we want your calls. We need your input. This is the People's Show. Uh, this is where we get common sense from and we spread it literally and liberally all over the world. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on the fastest growing radio station on the planet. Now also, of course, on television as well, it is Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Once again, a very warm welcome to the world headquarters of Common Sense. And who better uh, to lead us off this morning uh, on Thursday, April the 7th, uh, than the man himself, Mr Richard Taylor, uh, down in Welsh, Wales. Richard, a very good morning to you. 
Uh, good morning, Michael. Great to be back with you this morning on the Home of Common Sense. Hey, and listen, Boris Johnson, it, it seems you've had a massive impact on him because, of course, he's coming out now and speaking a lot of common sense. But, of course, there's a lot left to be desired with him. But I know on this issue, on the trans issue, at least... He's admitting that men cannot compete in women's sport. Can you believe that's actually a headline? Well, do you know what? I said that exact thing this morning. I said, you can't even believe that it's actually news that, you know, somebody who has declared what a woman is uh, has suddenly <laughs> done something that nobody else can seemingly do in the world of politics. It's astonishing, isn't it? I know it's astonishing. But look, here's the thing as well. Keir Starmer, the, apparently the opposition, I mean, if they'd come out and said, actually, no, women can't have penises, he might have got a few votes, you know. I mean, yes. I don't understand this this whole kind of fixation with not calling a woman a woman and what they really are and what men really are. What is wrong with our politicians? I mean, they're pandering to a small minority, a fringe little group that, are, you know, the trans lobby group and all that. And it doesn't make any sense because no. most of us, any survey around the country, you ask anybody in any poll that says, should a man compete in a women's in sport under the trans umbrella they just simply say no because it's unfair it's cheating and as i pointed out last night on my social media you don't hear of women becoming men and competing in men's sports interesting thought that mike isn't it well you don't do you i wonder why that is <laughs> it's probably got something to do with the disadvantage <laughs> because most <laughs> because most of these that are trans from uh, male to females into into their sports, it's an advantage because they are playing out and out cheaters. That's what they are. And I know there's been a huge... And listen, Boris Johnson at last is speaking common sense. Now, he's not speaking common sense on a lot of stuff, but on this issue, thank God, a politician has finally come out and said women can't have penises, because that's what he said, in effect, isn't he? Yes, exactly right. And I mean, as you say, it kind of beggars belief that this has been a dominating story, sort of post-COVID. You know, we've got a war on in Ukraine, uh, we've got, I mean, I'll tell you what we must talk about is this ridiculous story about the army uh, having a load of diesel nicked from their uh, from their depot. I mean, if they can't even stop people nicking diesel from them, what chance have we got as a fighting force, for heaven's sake? Um, but also, you know, the fact that uh, there's all sorts of other stories going on. There's all manner uh, of arguments to be had about all sorts of things post-COVID, you know, getting back to business, making the economy work, the cost of living. And all these people are hung up and can't answer a simple question. I know it's amazing. I mean, if we got local elections coming up, and we on in in May, yeah. and of course, a, a lot of these MPs have been asked this question, and I think it's been triggered by mainstream media because they're pausing it because they're trying to catch them out. But the fact that they can't give a simple answer, what is wrong with people? People watching and listening to the show today, cabbies in London, people at home, mothers in the kitchen listening to the show right now, they're probably thinking, yeah, you're right, Dick, because it makes sense. You know, women are women. They're born with certain genitalia, and men are men. Why are people so hung up on this issue? And I think it's partly to do with the trans lobbyists who are really pitching their case right now, and they've had this, you know, uh, the, the ban on gender uh, uh, conversion, all that kind of stuff, therapy. That's a big part of it as well. But politicians need to start speaking honestly with people, say what they think, and and, and speak common sense, because they're not speaking common yeah. sense to people. They and don't it is, I mean, you walk, around, you walk around any part of this country, possibly with the exception of some bits of London, you know, which, is, which have gone so woke that you wouldn't even believe you were living on the same planet as some of these characters, right? But where you live, where most people live outside of London... Nobody cares about net zero. Nobody cares about, you know, gender reassignment. Nobody cares about anything other than, can I put enough petrol in the car to get to where I want to go? Uh, can I feed my kids before they go to school? You know, am I going to be able to pay the electricity bill when it next comes in? You know, that kind of thing. Is it going to be even possible to go away on holiday uh, if I've got the money to do so come the summer? That's all they care about. They don't care about defining women, do they? No, well, it's, it's going back to that net zero thing as well, you know, they don't care about that for the simple reason... It's an impossible task. It's like this COVID zero thing where yes. we wanted to get rid of COVID completely. We're not, we're never going to achieve net zero. And this kind of addiction to going green and the cost that it's having, the burden on hardworking, low-paid families in the country is absolutely absurd. And the government publishing today their energy security plan for the future by 2030. Hang on, we're in 2022. Yeah. That's eight years. Yeah. Eight years. I'll be, I'll be gaga. I'll be gaga by then, Richard. <laughs> Are you with me, Mike? I won't yeah, care but... where the energy's coming from because <laughs> I'm still walking. <laughs> Sponsored by Moss Bros for your suits as yes, well. That's, that's it. Thing. Very good. Excellent. Very true. But I mean, let's talk about that because you were going to tell me this morning about the state of play uh, in business in Wales. Because let's face it, you know, we've now got, tra you know, added to all of the things that don't work in this country that we've run through before. You know, the police serv service that doesn't arrest anybody, the border force doesn't stop anybody coming into the country, the NHS that doesn't see anybody or treat anybody. We've now got airlines that don't want anybody to fly. 
<laughs> well, Spain did that, didn't they? Last was last night they did a U-turn on saying the unvaxxed could travel, and then they changed it within a few hours later. I mean, it's just absurd. But business in Wales is not good. You know, there was a report published in the I think it was iBusiness Live earlier this morning that talked about business confidence as an all-time low since the last report, mm. and they've blamed it on a whole host of reasons. And of course, the Russia and Ukraine war is a big part of it. But I want to remind people that business in Wales has been bad for decades under Welsh Labour-led government here in Wales yeah. for the simple reason they're not pro-business. We They had an opportunity to build the M4 relief road, which was a mass, massive contentious issue here, which would have seen businesses flood into Wales because transport is linked to the economy, of course, Mike, as you know, and without the flow of that traffic coming into Wales, then business is strangled. And they refused to build it. Guess why? Because it wasn't green enough, because it would have an impact on the climate. But here's the thing. If you come down the Bryn Glass tunnels here in Wales on the M4 road, they're talking about building that relief road. It's like a car park. Cars are just parked up there, pumping fumes out in the air. Right. So why on God's green earth didn't they build a relief road that would have saved the car park, got traffic flowing and brought businesses into Wales? That's one reason. And the fact is as well, we have the head of the economy here in Wales, Vaughan Gethin, or Vaughan Gessin as I like to call right. him, he was in charge of the NHS in Wales. I was going to say, and, he used to be the health secretary, didn't he? And, and he was terrible. We had five out of seven of our health boards here in Wales in special measures under Vaughan Gethin. And he, he wasn't demoted. Guess what they did, Mike? They promoted him to the uh, Minister for the Economy. I'm like, what is it? Why are you doing this? Why are you promoting failure? I mean, this, this is a guy that was a solicitor. This, but this happens in, in, in all um, uh, political parties, isn't it? I mean, you get people in, in national government in Westminster... One minute they're, you know, Secretary of State for Housing. Next minute they're running the NHS or something or running schools. And you're going, hang on a minute. Um, I thought you didn't know anything about housing. You know even less about the economy and even less about the NHS. Well, it's jobs for the boys, isn't it? Because they've not got experience it and they rely on civil servants to do the job for them. That's literally what happens in, in government, I'm sure, because they're not qualified to do the job. In Vaughan Gethin's case, he is not qualified. If you'd seen the state of the NHS pre-COVID, I've mentioned this on the show before, Mike. Before COVID, it was a disaster. Mm. Waiting times, you know, um, operations. We have the highest rate of waiting list in the whole of the UK. Far worse than England NHS. And at one stage, we were talking about sending our patients to England for, you know, serious operations because we couldn't cope with them in Wales. But you want to hear Mark Drakeford talk about that. He'll tell you how wonderful things are in Wales and Wales is better than England. And if anything bad in Wales, it's because of Westminster. It's not because of Westminster. It's because of his government and his leadership. And the, and the poverty that we're seeing in Wales right now is because of devolution here in Wales under Mark Drakeford. It's as simple as that, Mike. Yeah, absolutely right. Uh, Martin has sent me a little tweet. Uh, Martin's a big, important man. Uh, he's got two followers. Uh, he's following two people. He's got no followers on Twitter. But he's pointing out quite rightly that I said it was the army uh, that Diesel was nicked for. It was from the Navy. I was just seeing if you're paying attention, Martin. Thanks for listening, mate. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, Rishi Sunak, right? Now, I said yesterday, uh, you know that this is where you get all the greatest political insight in the world. Right? I said yesterday to John Rental. What's going on in Downing Street? I'm hearing that there's a massive kind of uh, war going on and, and Boris Johnson is basically going to discredit as much as he possibly can Rishi Sunak before he fires him as Chancellor. Suddenly today, we find out his wife is a non-dom. I wonder how yeah, that well, happened. I, I, yeah, but Mike, I do think this is... is it, it, I've seen this. There's, there's, they've ramped up this attack on Rishi, haven't they, over the last couple of weeks? You know, of course... Those yeah, are but the, this is what I'm saying. It's all coming from Boris. Yeah, of course of course it is. I mean, look, <laughs> it's definitely coming from somewhere. I mean, your guess is Boris. My, it won't be fast from the truth there. But look, the attack on his wife, I mean, she's paying taxes in the country where she's making money. She also pays taxes here in the UK as well for yes. businesses she has in the UK. I mean, let you know, I mean, let's not... Again, another obsession from the trans thing to Rishi's wife all over the newspapers this morning. Yeah. Yes. He's, done, he's been very successful. He's made a lot of money and he's a politician, right? But I look, I'm not a great fan of his, but I will say I'd rather have someone in charge of the economy, even though I don't think he's doing an excellent job right now. And I think lockdown was a bad thing as well. But at the end of the day, at least he knows what he's doing with money to a certain extent because he's a businessman. We talked about it earlier just now, people in jobs, in positions where they're not qualified to do it. At least he must know something about money because of his... Oh, yeah. No, I, well, I just find it... I'd rather I, I, have him in charge of it. No, listen, you're quite right. I mean, I, I couldn't care less whether she's a non-dom or not. She pays plenty tax here i'm sure i'm sure she spends plenty of money here i'm sure her vat bill uh, would dwarf anything that you and i've ever seen uh, in our <laughs> lives in terms of an income but that's not the point i mean she has, she's an indian citizen they don't allow her to be anything else so therefore she has to have that status i don't really mind about that i just find it interesting that that at some point now uh, he seems to be under attack and and all of these stories will come out and i dare say there'll be more 
Well, I, yeah, because let's not forget as well. I remember, I think it was last year, Rishi Sunak wasn't really that happy about the net zero plan that the government were proposing at the time. Well, not right. fully proposing, we've had it now. He was against it and for, for a whole number of reasons. And I think the cost and the impact of it as well. I think the uh, Climate Change Committee said it'll cost around 50 billion a year. The National Grid did, predicted it'll cost total, get get a carbon neutral by 2030, 2050, it'll be three trillion pounds. I mean, those were estimates and these were loose estimates. Yeah. And I think Rishi Sunak really I said, hold on a minute, we can't do that. We, we don't have that kind of money. But of course, Boris sees him as a threat to his leadership. And I think that's going to be a big contest ahead yeah. of us. And be, before the next general election, I've got a funny feeling that Rishi's making some moves. And, you know, who knows? But I definitely think those ta- attacks are coming from Boris's office. Oh, yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that because it's very easy to be popular when you're giving money to, to all and sundry around the country. Um, and even his own MPs would rather think he was rather a, 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 good, a good-looking guy for the next prime minister. But I think that's all gone now because I think Boris Johnson clearly now, um, and also if it gets back to the, to the old Boris, where he's actually making statements that that do make sense, that people in the rest of the country outside of Westminster actually can absolutely relate to, then he's he's, he's home and home home free, isn't he? Well, I don't know if you can trust him or because he said all the right things about Brexit. Remember when he said get Brexit done, but then our fishing waters are still being plundered by EU vessels. Yes. You know, the Northern Ireland situation is still ongoing, you know, the border and stuff. So, you know, the, the, the protocol. So actually he didn't really deliver. And a lot of Brexiteers I've been speaking the last couple of months, Mike, are really disillusioned with Boris Johnson because they voted for him, put their trust in him in 2019, believing he would get Brexit done. But it's not the Brexit that they believed no. in and voted for. And I think, you know, again, he's making statements at certain times to say the right things. But then who knows, in a couple of months, you know, Boris is like, he could change his tune. They'll have a committee set up. They'll spend millions of pounds on it to talk about, you know, what trans people feel. And he'll change his mind on it. But let's hope not. Let's hold his feet to the fire and make sure he stays with common sense because that is the best place to be. Because the public are fed up of politicians placating these small minority groups who actually don't represent people in society. Not hardworking people that are out there today listening and watching the show who just want the government to get on with doing what the government does. Stay out of our lives, less state, less involvement in our everyday lives, and get on with sorting out the economy so we can all live a decent life. Absolutely. Very well said, Richard. Stay with us because we've got more to talk about, much, much more to talk about. Richard Taylor reporting into us from Wales. Uh, we want to hear from you as well, of course. 0344-499-1000 is the number. It's extraordinary that the big news of the day is that Boris Johnson knows what a woman is. Uh, congratulations to him. Uh, why can't Keir Starmer come out and say that? I wonder. This is Talk Radio. Talk Radio. The microeconomics of rational debate arguments all round a radio station not a panic station translate and decode the issues of the moment talk radio now available on tv Welcome back to the Independent Republican, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. We've got loads going on today. We're going to be talking to Ben Habib coming up in a little while. Uh, he's going to be saying uh, people should be returning to work. Now, if you're in central London, you might think that loads of people have returned to work, but it's still very weird. Some days it's busy, some days it's not. Business confidence uh, appears to be pretty high in the capital city, but we're talking to Richard Taylor down in Wales. He's saying business confidence down in Wales uh, is not anywhere near that sort of level. What's the sort of uh, situation there, Richard, with people working? from home and maybe never going back. I mean, we, we talked about the DVLA down in Swansea there. Uh, I'm hoping to, against hope that they've actually decided to send a few people back to work, but I don't know. Well, the DVL thing was a massive joke, wasn't it? Because it was ridiculous. I mean, the whole policy of working from home has been an abject failure because it's had a massive impact on the economy here in Wales, Mike, and across the UK, of course, because people need to be in work, not just for the economy, but for their own mental health and well-being. I and mean, you can't be locked up in your home, particularly as we've done for two years, no. you know, the last two years, and then not be expected to go back to work. People need to be working. I mean, we were designed to work. We were created to work. That's what we do. And we earn the coin and bring it in and feed our kids and pay the bills. Well, if you can afford the bills at the moment, that is, Mike. But look, yeah, it's 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 something in Wales that we've seen happen. You're mad would lock the, the you know the, the entire population of Wales down far longer than they did in England. His draconian measures had a huge impact on businesses as well, and the economy in Wales is going to take years and years to recover because we don't manufacture anything. You know, we're a service industry, tourism industry, and unfortunately, even now with some of the Welsh government's policies on things like taxing uh, uh, tourism tax, they're talking about people stopping people buying second homes in Wales. All of these things are having a huge impact because people are thinking I don't really want to go to Wales, and they're saying it's not because of Wales. It's 
itself because it's a beautiful place and we're beautiful people is because of Mark Drakeford. Yeah. And so well, there's, there's loads of, I mean, loads of people, and I'm one of them. I love Wales. I used to work there. I think Cardiff is one of the greatest cities uh, in Britain, to be honest. And the, the, the countryside is gorgeous, some great golf courses, beaches are wonderful. But the thing is, all I remember about Wales now is Mark Drakeford telling English people not to come. It's all I remember. I know. I know well, they've got this anti-English thing. It's, it, they say it's anti-Westminster, but it's an anti-English no. agenda, you know. But yet, Mike, I, I have to say this, you know, uh, the report out this last week, they can find millions of pounds, Mark Rakeford and his government, to commission a survey to ask 13-year-olds if they've had sex. What? Now, that, yeah, absolutely. This is, this is. I mean, it's all out in the open. I mean, look, they commissioned a survey costing millions of pounds right. to ask schools to ask children 13 years of age. That's 13, ridiculous. Mike. If they've had, it's perverse. That's what it is. It really is. Not be have the sexualization and exploitation of our children is so wrong right now, and I, I it's, it's something I'm watching happening before my very eyes, Mike. And I'm really concerned about it. Mm. Yes, we've talked about the trans issue, right, and the discussion in school and LGBTQTIs and all that kind of stuff in schools. And now they've made it law that in school, when they're teaching children some of these things that I, as a parent, abhor and don't want my children taught it. By law, I am not allowed to withdraw them from the classroom. I will get fined and I will be prosecuted for it. Now, to me, that is morally wrong. It's abhorrent. It shouldn't be happening. Yeah. You know, a child at 13, Mike, their innocence is precious. And they should be grown up in innocence, as we did when mm. we were kids. I mean, we got up to all and naughty things when we were kids. But what the children are exposed to now is absolutely shocking. And let's talk more about it. Mark Drakeford spent £250,000 on TikTok ads. Yeah. I mean, this is the Welsh government wasting money constantly. And then they're talking about how good things are in Wales. No, right. things are not good in Wales. And also, and it's, it's our government. money, by the way. It's not his money. You know, he doesn't get to put his hand into a pot. I mean, when we hear Rishi Sunak, it's the same thing. I'm not trying to take you away from Mark Drakeford, but Rishi yeah. Sunak saying, we are now providing you with or we are giving you that or we are taking money from here and we're giving it to you there no it's not your money mate it's our money we gave it to you you're now giving it back to us that's not yeah, how we, normal, uh, yeah, normal, that's uh, not how giving money out works and they never asked us how we'd like it no. spent either that's the thing that's the crazy part and this happened during wales as well there's this new thing about free school meals for every primary school child in Dickens. wales applied cymru with this coalition that they've got with welsh labor which means they're in power forever right. by the looks of things <laughs> i mean it's and i pointed out to, to adam price that he of applied cymru no it's they're not free they talk about free prescriptions, yeah. free bus passes, and, and the devolution. They say we're better than England. We got free school meals for every child. We got free bus passes, right. uh, and, uh, and uh, no, they're not free. We are, and, and in fact, it's not the Welsh because the taxation system, how it works, it's the English that are picking up the tab mm. for all those freebies that yeah. we get. I might, I might pop down and have a couple of free school meals and say, <laughs> how do you like that? Thanks very much indeed. <laughs> it is mad, but it's also the re-education of our children is a good subject for us, Richard, because this yeah. just this morning, I mean, it's only pretty much every day now there's a new story about some ridiculous woke system that's operating in a school. The latest one is some teacher saying that they should use translations of Taylor Swift lyrics to replace place the sexist syllabus of old in latin i mean yeah what? I, 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 I think it was a head teacher or teacher in latin for 25 years or so that report like i read it this morning and they're talking about they want to decolonize the kind of uh, latin stories because a lot of the latin stories are drenched in kind of slavery talk and all that kind of stuff yeah. so they yeah, that'd be because they, the romans had slaves actually yes yeah, so yes yeah, right so, but so they want to be relevant to this generation and they don't want to be racists or you know so, <laughs> apparently yeah. so they want to use taylor swift as as the stories of taylor swift from her songs to interpret those into latin yeah. i mean i'm not being funny that's Walkerati on another I mean, skit. I'd like to hear Taylor Swift <laughs> singing about the crossing of the Alps by Hannibal and the elephants. I mean, that'd be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> I'd love to know the Latin translation to some of her songs. I doubt they'll be accompanied by her pictures. Well, I, I think there might be some words that uh, that Taylor Swift's words and songs use uh, in their lyrics, which are not really applicable in Latin, I have to say. <laughs> I don't think they would translate into yeah. Latin, definitely. Why Why do the Walkerati have to feel they have to get involved why in everything? change part? everything? I mean, just leave things as they are. Yeah. I mean, and it, it causes a whole bunch of headaches for a lot of people. We don't really need it. And this is someone who's been teaching Latin for over 25 years, Mike. And he feels that the, the Latin stories that they've been telling is racist. They're wrong because they're connected to slavery and, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, well, listen, it's our history. You can't erase the history. Leave it alone. Let's learn lessons from it. We've all moved on, by the way. You know, we don't own slaves in this country. Well, certainly not. I certainly well, some don't. people do. I mean, all you've got to Sometimes, do is go to, well, you, say, go to, yeah. you pop down to Knightsbridge any day of the week, you'll find plenty of slaves living in the, the big houses there, sleeping on the floor, servicing the very, very wealthy people from other parts of the world. Where, But guess what? They do have slaves, but you don't see anybody demonstrating outside uh, the embassies or the or the mansions of uh, of Belgravia, do you? 
Well, that's a good thought. Why don't they pop down there with their placards and protest outside of some of those houses? Yeah, because see, that, that's, that's modern-day slavery, isn't it? Well, how about it? you glue, glue, yourself, you know, glue yourself to the gates of the Saudi Arabian embassy, see how you get on. Yeah, you might you might come off with one or two limbs missing. Let's let's not talk about stop the oil lock because the pictures are moving from what they're doing, chucking themselves yeah. into the tunnels. Oh yeah, stop the I oil. Mean, yeah, <laughs> Saudi Arabia where they make all the oil. Hey, the the, the, the chap the chap who strapped himself the gold post has come out as well yesterday. And he was saying that uh, he's afraid to go to the, any Newcastle or Everton football matches because he's he's afraid he's on death threats. I'm like, well, you you actually. You know, you tight clipped yourself to a goalpost, man. Yeah. What's the matter with you? I know. You know, and he's like, "Well, I can't go to any football matches." Me, no surprise. Well, I mean, I'm <laughs> sorry about crazy. that, mate. Yeah, maybe you can pop down to the Westminster studio of a certain radio station and glue himself to that. Oh no, it's already been done. Um, listen, Richard, good to talk to you, man. See you soon, Richard Taylor. Talking a great deal of common sense, just like Boris Johnson has been imbued with common sense. A fantastic thing has happened. We have been broadcasting common sense for years now. Finally, the Prime Minister, after two years of listening to us, uh, has picked up on it. Let's get some news headlines. Independent talk. Proper talk. News talk. Talk radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham with the self-appointed revolutionary of reason, Mike Graham. <laughs> on Talk Radio. Good morning. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio, where there is simply no hiding place for the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Isn't it interesting that the world has turned? You know, just about one year ago... We at Talk Radio were being castigated uh, for being COVID deniers. We were being told that we would put people's lives at risk if we made them go back to the office. It was a shocking and dreadful thing to want to do. We were told that we should wear masks and if we didn't, we were somehow selfish. We were told that if you didn't socially distance while eating a scotch egg in the pub, that you would probably kill a load of people and you'd have blood on your hands for the rest of your life. We were also told uh, that we should work from home. We were also told that what we should definitely not do uh, was commit mute anywhere because trains could actually kill you. Uh, not because you jump in front of them, but because you sit in a carriage next to some people who might be breathing on you. You know, doesn't that all sound a bit ridiculous now? Well, it certainly does sound ridiculous to me, and it always has. Coming up in this hour, Ben Habib is going to join us, former Brexit Party MEP, incredibly successful businessman as well. Uh, he'll know a thing or two about the Northern Ireland Protocol. We might ask him about that too. But basically, right now, what we want to talk about is going back to work, because all of those kind of virtue-signalling Ramona types who used to love sitting in their garden over the summer with their Apple Mac Typing away, tap, 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 tap. Oh, it's super working for him. It's super, yes. Can I have another avocado sandwich? Marvellous, yes, lovely. Uh, what are the kids doing? Oh, they're out in the back playing croquet. Oh, aren't they? It's super. How's Matilda getting on with the music lessons? Oh, really well. It's nice to see her every day, isn't it? Not just to go to work every day, lose all that family time. The missus, meanwhile, uh, down at the local Waitrose, stocking up with as much as she possibly could, not wearing a mask, of course, because you didn't have to do it in those days in a supermarket. Funny that, isn't it? Anyway, now it turns out it's actually bad for the environment to work from home because why? You actually do more travelling and you use more energy and you drive further if you work from home than if you go to an office every day. Extraordinary. So you've all got it wrong. So get back to work, get back on the train, get back in the office. Thank you very much indeed. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Got a bit carried away there, sorry. Uh, Ben Habib, very good morning to you. Good morning, Mike. Um, I always had this as a sort of bugbear of mine. Oh, it looks like you're in a nice place. Are you on holidays? Yeah, I'm, I'm skiing at the moment. I'm trying to get. I'm holding the camera, so it might go all a bit wobbly. There we go. That's oh, better. Okay. Isn't it? That Sorry. does look better. Yes, marvellous. Um, well, maybe you can show us the ski slopes in a minute. But um, yeah, so yeah. Um, obviously this w- this will be wasted on you since so you're not doing any work at all. Um, but <laughs> but you know, I've always had this bugbear about people working from home. Some people tell me it's much more efficient. Some people say it's better for their home family life. They say it's better for their work life balance. But in the end, it's not better for the economy, is it? In the end? Well, I think, you know, the economy does best when businesses do best. And businesses are bound to perform better when everyone's in the office. Uh, that, may not be a, that may not be universally true across every single business in the United Kingdom. But effectively, businesses are organisms. And organisms don't perform well if they're dissected. You know, you need the entire organism working together as one. And if you start from that basic principle, really, everyone should be back in the office. And, you know, the, the point you make about the environment um, is a very pertinent one. The one thing you didn't mention, of course, is that they're going to have to be many, many houses heated. Yes. Um, you know, while people for one person to stay at home or perhaps two people to stay at home when they otherwise would have been in a collective environment in the office. Mm. So I'm trying to get this camera right. 
yeah. terribly difficult to Don't hold worry. it. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, I mean, according to this piece, uh, which I'm reading in the Telegraph today, employees who work from home once or twice a week travelled on average about 100 miles, uh, compared with about 63 and a half miles for those who work from home less than once a year. Um, partly, it's partly because remote workers tend to live further from their workplace and office-based staff, so even though they commute less frequently, journeys were longer overall. And I think that's true, because in a lot of parts of the country, if you live in um, a particular place, you can't get anything unless you've got a car, you know, because everything's no, too far right. away, right? Yeah, and if you're living in a metropolis, you might as well go to the office anyway. Why work from home? You well, know, exactly it's, right. You know, the point you make is very pertinent as far as... Um, Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. You know, people who live in, in, the, in the suburbs and in the country is concerned. And um, uh, I, I mean, I remember that I used to live in the country and my, my drive times were massive compared to what they are now that I live in London. Yeah. Absolutely right. I mean, the great problem, of course, with living in cities is that they are terribly congested. I mean, despite the best efforts of Steve Khan, London hasn't quite ground to a complete halt, but it very nearly has at certain times of the day. The roadworks, the cycle lanes, you know, but we do have at least some public transport which can get us from point A to point B. You know, and many people I'm told have moved away from London and moved out of uh, even the suburbs of London to the south coast, to the west country, because they've sold their, their house. They've moved to uh, a nice rural idyll because they could get a bigger house for the money. Um, and they're never coming back. But a lot of these people are civil servants, apparently. Well, the civil service uh, are the worst offenders, if you like. Um, you know, they were paid uh, throughout the pandemic to effectively work from home. Um, it's been it's been the working class who picked up the burden of this of this uh, this lockdown induced credit crunch in effect that we're having now. You know we're beginning to see that effect, aren't we? With inflation up, yeah. uh, the cost of fuel up, the cost of food up, consumables all going up in price because of course when fuel prices go up, there's a knock on effect throughout the economy on everything that depends on fuel for production. And um, the civil servants, meanwhile, have had this really cushy existence. And if I may add, not fulfilling their obligations to the people of this country, um, as far as I can see, frustrating government's intentions to fulfil its manifesto promises. Mm, absolutely right. And I mean, if the government can't get the civil servants back to work, then they can hardly encourage private companies to then get their people back to work as well. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, private companies will take a more robust approach, Mike. And I was delighted a few months ago when Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan both said, you know, get back to work because mm. they're sort of bellwethers of, um, you know, working environment. And, and they're, they're pretty much, you know, in line with other woke thinking. So to see Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan control, you know, drawing the line as far as um, working from home is concerned was encouraging. You know, and I hope other private uh, sector businesses take to take their lead from from those two institutions. Yes, absolutely right. And from what you understand of the business world, certainly in London, Ben, what 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 do you think is actually happening in terms of occupation of offices? Because I remember at the very heart 
at the very sort of height of the uh, of the pandemic lockdown. The first one, certainly, I used to run into a guy, a South African bloke who worked in the Shard here uh, in London Bridge, and he said to me, it's about 10% occupancy right now in terms of who's in an office and who's working from home. What would you say yeah. it is now? I, I, I don't know the figure, but I would guess it's dramatically higher than that. London is much, much busier than it has been. Mm. And um, yeah, I'm very encouraged by the number of people I see on the tubes. I mean, it's almost back back to normal as far as I can see. But that, you know, that's anecdotal. Um, yeah. But people do have to get back to work. We've got to, you know, no, as I said, no organism can work with its arms dissected. We work better as, as, as you know, when we come together. And certainly in my company, I've had no truck with uh, any um, ongoing desire to work from home. When it was a, a legal requirement to do it, of course, we complied with it. But now that it's not a legal requirement, I expect everyone to come yeah. to the office. See, I never did it. Um, I was, in fact, at some point in, in the summer of 2020, I think I was the only person in talk radio actually broadcasting from here um, because I didn't want to broadcast from home. You know, I just didn't want to. I didn't think it was right. I didn't think it suited me. I didn't think it suited the station. And, you know, I was fortunate enough not to have ever got COVID, so I could do it. Um, but at the end... Um, there's lots of people still who argue, oh, we'll never really go back to the way it was. There'll always be now this form of hybrid, you know, people working Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, taking Monday and Friday as home working days, and we're more efficient if we do it. I just think it's wrong. I think it's wrong. It doesn't make sense. Um, you know, I keep going back to this, the, the, the principle of the organism. It, it can only work at its most efficient if everyone is together. And as you started the programme by saying, Mike, you know, there's so many... Um, things that we were told were now going to become entrenched as a result of the, uh, the pandemic and the associated lockdowns, which have actually failed to materialise. Mm. One of them, of course, was this Green New Revolution that the Prime Minister was launching. Yes. And he's had to backtrack on that because of the direct results of lockdown, because there's, there's a fuel problem, because we need to drill to get our own gas and oil resources out of the North Sea. And I, and I was delighted to see this morning a revised emphasis uh, on nuclear power, which was something, you know, starkly missing from the first um, from the first draft of his Green New uh, Revolution. Yeah. Um, I think we're seeing some home truths coming, you know, being relearned, if you like. Well, we we're, saying, the, uh, well we're saying this morning, hopefully, because Boris has finally come out and managed to identify what a woman is uh, and that transgender uh, women should not necessarily be allowed into female changing rooms. You know, we're hoping that this common sense that he suddenly discovered might actually extend to net zero uh, and to all of his other mad yeah. plans about uh, about changing the economy and the environment and the, and the energy that we get. And perhaps, um, you know, common sense will prevail overall. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you look, you take the European Union, for example, who are big promoters of net zero by 2050. In fact, they were the ones who insisted that we commit to not regressing from that commitment in mm. the trade agreement we signed with them. But the minute they, that Germany hit problems with gas from Russia or gas generally, they've adopted gas as being a green fuel. Mm. You know, and here we are. Yeah, how does that UK work? Self yeah, how does that work? You know, when it, it, the minute it doesn't work for the German economy, they just change their stance. And here we are busy in the United Kingdom producing less than 1% of global carbon emissions, um, you know, uh, slashing our wrists, if you like, on, on the economic front in order to comply with this commitment to net zero. No, we've got to use our natural resources uh, for the betterment of our people. And with inflation where it is, I think the Prime Minister's got to put his green new revolution on a back burner and i think to some extent he has done that you know some of the, the announcement this morning um on emphasis on nuclear power emphasis on granting at least in the short to medium term more licenses to the north sea all of that is a step in the right direction he needs to move as fast as he can to head off the problem that he's created by not moving earlier you know two or three years ago yeah. um but, um, you know, I think I, I think he's learned his lesson on that. Well, I think he should have realised over the time of the whole Partygate business that when he, for a moment, lost his popularity and people really didn't want to have him there anymore and suddenly Rishi Sunak was coming up on the rails, I think he suddenly realised that what got him into office was being straight with people, understanding what people in the rest of the country outside of the Westminster bubble actually think, what they talk about, you know, what they care about, and what they don't care about, I can tell you this from my travels, is net zero. They couldn't give a monkey's. Yeah. No, and net zero is a classic example of multilateralism. You know, global leaders coming together in their cocoon of 
um, sort of moral rectitude, if you like, all exchanging ideas, sitting in Davos and thinking, wouldn't this be great? Forgetting, of course, the irony of all having flown there in their private jets <laughs> to have this terrifically morally correct conversation. Um, and, you know, it doesn't work for the working in... Forget about the working class. I mean, don't forget about the working classes, but leave the working classes aside for a second. It affects everyone. It's, mm. it's not just a working class issue. It goes all the way up to people who are on 80 to 100,000 pounds a year. You know, the effect is massive. Yeah, it really is. And just interestingly, I've spotted this. Uh, you'll like this one, right, for, the, for those uh, working from home. It turns out that uh, if you're working from home and you take part in a grand national sweepstake at the office, you might actually be breaking the law. <laughs> because it says that there's a quirk of gambling laws which say that if you are having a sweepstake in an office for the Grand National, you can do it, but only if all the tickets are sold in person to people in the office. So if you're not in the office, you can't take part. Isn't that... Well, that'll drive everyone straight back to the Well, office. it probably will, absolutely right. Let me ask you about Northern Ireland, Ben, because I know it's uh, very close to your heart. You've had uh, legal uh, ramblings, wranglings going on for a while trying to get... Uh, uh, Article 16 sorted out, trying to get the protocol sorted out. Where are we with that? Well, I'm afraid the government has used the Ukraine crisis as an excuse not to take action on Northern Ireland. Um, in fact, without wishing to sound um, uh, sort of usury in any way, mm. it, now is the time for the government to invoke Article 16. Uh, there is no way the EU is going to pick a fight with the United Kingdom right now when it needs our support for Ukraine and it needs our support generally on the geopolitical field. Um, so we should be invoking Article 16. And I've sent various messages to people I know in government saying this is the ideal time to be doing it. There is the, the, the EU never had the right to launch a trade war against us just because we invoke a safeguarding mechanism, which we're perfectly legal and legally entitled to, to invoke. Um, but if there was ever any risk of it, it is now diminished dramatically because of the Ukraine war. But for some reason, the government seems to think that we've got to put Northern Ireland on a back burner while Ukraine is invaded by Russia. And the two are not connected. They've got to deal with, the, with their domestic agenda, do the right thing for Northern Ireland, irrespective of what's happening in Ukraine. Mm. Um, and it's deeply disappointing, deeply disappointing that we're going into the 5th of May elections for Stormont without Article 16 having been invoked, emboldening Sinn Féin, garnering support for Sinn Féin. Remember, Sinn Féin is a party that wants to see the end of the United Kingdom, and the government is playing right into its hands by not invoking Article 16, mm. by not standing firmly behind unionist parties as we go into that election. It's a gross dereliction of duty. And what, what do we see? We see Boris Johnson sitting next to the Irish Prime Minister watching the rugby, talking to him. That is not the right imagery. Boris Johnson should have sat at the rugby with Jeffrey Donaldson and Jim Allister mm. and shown unity with the Union of the United Kingdom, not cavorting yes. with the Prime Minister of, uh, of the Republic of Ireland that actually wants to see a reunification. You know, Sinn Féin is now very open about its desire to call a border poll and see a reunification of Ireland. And they're, and they're using the protocol as their tool. And then, you know, Brandon Lewis... Uh, Liz Truss, the Prime Minister, they're all standing by and just letting yeah. it happen. And there must, a be a reason. there must be a reason, Ben, for that. I mean, why are they letting it happen? Well, I think the biggest problem Northern Ireland's got is that there are no Conservative Party or Labour MPs sitting in Westminster from Northern Ireland. Mm. And so they don't really give a monkeys. We've learned, Mike, haven't we, repeatedly, that the only thing that matters to the Labour Party and the Conservative Party is seats in Parliament. And they will do anything to maintain maintain the number of seats or grow mm. the number of seats. And because they have no standing from Northern Ireland, they just don't put Northern Irish issues up the agenda. Mm. No, it's terribly sad. Listen, uh, good to see you uh, enjoying a bit of uh, fun. How was your journey out there, by the way? Because I'm told that the travel chaos around the country is quite bad. Oh, no, it was fine. We got out last Saturday. We flew from Terminal 5 and um, it was very easy getting out to France, which is... Fantastic, by the way. Do you want to have a quick look yeah, at the slopes? Yeah, let's have a look it's, at the uh, slopes. Go on. Show us, show us Paul Porpoise. Um, <laughs> it looks very white. Um, it's very white. It's snowing today, but it's fantastic conditions. Yeah. And uh, I'm glad to see no one wearing masks and everyone skiing. It's terrific. Excellent. Well, France returns to normal. We'll see you soon. Ben Habib, thank you very much indeed. Uh, talking there about a great many things, including, of course, the working from home scenario. 
you must know people who are still working from home. I think there are an awful lot of people who have, one, forgotten how to go to an office, two, simply don't want to go back to an office, and three, are probably actively being encouraged that they don't need to come back to an office. I think all of those three things are entirely wrong. If you're able, uh, because you work for yourself, to work from home, that's one thing. But if you work for a company that has an office, that has a presence in a city or a town, I think you have a duty to the country to be back working in it. I think that makes sense to anyone uh, with half a brain, doesn't it? 0344 499 1000 is the number. This is Talk Radio. Talk Radio. Fast Talk. Street Talk. Talk Radio. Fighting the good fight with all his might. Providing a welcome dose of common sense for the common people. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good afternoon and welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here at Talk Radio where there is indeed no hiding place for the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And neither should there be because here, right now, we're going to be discussing something that I think affects absolutely every single person listening to this, watching it, uh, playing it through an app, playing it through a watch, playing it through a television, watching us on YouTube, watching us on Apple TV, waiting patiently for Talk TV to come along as well so you can watch us on television proper. All sorts of people out there are being affected by the rising price of energy, right? I'm hearing stories already uh, that the price of oil has dropped significantly on the wholesale markets, but not at all in the retail markets. We don't see a reduction on the petrol forecourts. We don't see diesel going down. I still haven't really had a proper explanation as to why diesel has suddenly become 20 pence more expensive than petrol suddenly, just because of this petrol crisis that we've got. Uh, Do tell us what you're paying at the moment. Is the price dropping any? Some people are saying there uh, in parts of the country uh, there's not much supply. I don't know if that's true. You can tell us. Uh, Benny Pizer is here, director of Net Zero Watch, because the government today uh, is basically launching uh, its new energy strategy. And it's going to be energy secure. It's going to be energy renewed. It's going to be energy that we can apparently get from wind, that we can get from solar, that we can get from all sorts of things which are not fossil fuels. You know, as well as I do, that's probably not going to be possible. And even if it was possible, what difference will it actually make to the world? There are some people chaining themselves to things, gluing themselves to things. There's Extinction Rebellion marches going on even as we speak. These maniacs who say that the world is going to end if we don't do something urgently. Absolutely and utterly ridiculous. The UN uh, panel on climate change has issued yet another dire threat that the world is going to end if we don't do something. It's our last chance, apparently. And it's, of course, our last chance since the last chance uh, and the last chance before that and, indeed, the last chance before that. They've been saying all this rubbish since the 1980s. We've also got COP26. The only thing they could decide to do was have COP27. It was one minute to midnight when we had COP26. Presumably, when we have COP27... Uh, it'll be sometime after one. I don't know. 0344 499 1000 is the number. We'll talk to Helena Nicklin later. She's coming in with the Thursday Club. Also, Amy Horowitz is going to be here, filmmaker and journalist. He's got plenty to say about things happening over on the other side of the Atlantic. 0344 499 1000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on the fastest growing radio station on the planet. It is, of course, Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Ian Collins coming up, of course, at one o'clock. Let's get ready to talk to Dr. Benny Pizer, uh, Director of Net Zero Watch. Benny, very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Mike. Thanks very much for joining us. I guess the first question is, what do you make of this new kind of government policy? It's uh, it's being put out there as a as a sort of security, energy and security strategy. I'm told it's been quite a long time in the making. I'm also told they were going to announce it several times before this, but somehow always cancelled it. Um, not quite sure uh, why they're re- reduce, re- releasing it now. What do you make of it? Well, it looks as if the government is in complete denial of the severity of the energy cost crisis because what they've published is some kind of wish list they want to do in the next five to 25 years. Mm which has absolutely zero effect on the rising price of energy and uh, if at all is going to make things worse because most of the wish list is something that will have to be heavily subsidized Um, you know tens of billions of pounds that uh, energy consumers will have to pay on top of what they're currently paying so instead of easing the pain uh, this looks like um, you know, they don't 
understand we are facing a severe energy cost yeah. and economic crisis in in the next six to 12 months. Right. And we've seen many government aims in the past, you know, like they've, for example, told us that they're going to increase the chances of people surviving cancer. But in the past six years, uh, they have not actually increased people's chances of surviving cancer at all by one iota. You're still pretty much 50-50 to be detected as even having stage one or stage two cancer. Um, But they say, oh, by 2028, we hope to have got that up to 75% of people instead of 50. Well, it's all very well saying it. Same here. They're saying... Uh, UK's energy use should be 95% nuclear or green by 2030. Well, we've been told it takes 10 years to build a nuclear power plant, doesn't it? So by my reckoning, they're already going to be two years out, even if they start building them all today. Well, it's all jam- It's always jammed tomorrow. Um, as I said, this is not even a sticking plaster. This obviously won't survive contact with reality. Uh, 25% of the British public won't be able to afford uh, energy bills by October. That's the kind of optimistic um, estimate. Uh, I guess it will be much more than 25%. People are struggling with their energy bills as it is. They can't afford doubling, never mind trebling of energy bills. Uh, I think the, the government is in denial of the severity of what's going to happen to, you know, households. Mm. Well, absolutely. And I think part of that problem, Benny, is their total and utter kind of, you know, um, ring fenced off from reality attitude that these people have, because one, they've just alone given themselves a pay rise. It may be ministers aren't going to take it. Not really the point. Most of them have their energy bills paid for. You know, they don't really see a bill that pops through the door uh, that's gone up by threefold since this time last year. They probably don't very often fill up a car with petrol without charging it to somebody. You know, they're not living in the real world, are they? Well, that's part of the problem. And also the advisors they have are very poor. Mm. The civil servants are very poor. Their advice is terrible. They also, uh, it's magical thinking, wishful thinking, rather than pragmatic here and now, trying to ease the pain. I mean, they could have, you know, scrapped the taxes on energy bills, the green levies on energy bills. They could have actually made a difference Mm. to ordinary people, but they decided against it. So I I don't know, you know, uh, how they tick. I really don't. But I know that millions of households will be struggling to keep their homes warm. Yeah, they really will. I mean... In the ones, in one, on the one hand, I suppose it's at least one blessing that we are entering spring and into summer rather than going from autumn into winter. But there's no suggestion that it's going to be any better by the time we get cold again, really cold, because no. there's another there's another energy price rise coming in October, isn't it? Exactly, absolutely. So as I said, I think the government is in denial. Uh, this so-called strategy, which looks to me more like a wish list for the next five to 25 years is not a response to the emergency we are facing. So I think they will have to go back um, to the drawing board very soon. Mm. There will be (laughs) another strategy paper coming because (laughs) this one just doesn't do. Well, this is the thing. They've presumably been working on this strategy for a while. Um, One can assume that they were working on it before uh, Vladimir Putin decided to uh, invade Ukraine. If the Germans do what they are being asked to do, which is to completely stop their reliance on Russian gas, then the price is only going to go up further, isn't it? Well, that's the thing. You know, if, if the government were to give the green light to UK shale gas, if they'd only had done that Mm. by now then we could obviously, A, have more gas for ourselves, but we could also help Europe to wean themselves off the Russian gas. So there would be plenty of, you know, likelihood. We don't know exactly how much there is, but there is a pretty good chance that there are big resources of shale gas. It would make a big difference both in terms of the cost of natural gas and in terms of the geopolitical crisis we're in with the Russians. Yes, exactly right. According to the plan I'm looking at here, they want to build up to eight nuclear plants to meet about a quarter of the projected electricity demand by 2050. So it's not even 2030 now. So I don't know how they're going to generate nuclear power between now and 2030 exactly. Well... 
obviously we've got one uh, nuclear power plant in planning, Hinkley uh, Point Three. Uh, that's that been might... in planning for a long time, that isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as I said, these these uh, eight new nuclear power plants are in the distant future. They won't make any difference in the near future, and that, that it's all good. We need obviously more nuclear, and uh, some of the technology hasn't even been developed yet, like the SMRs, the small modular reactors. They are, you know, on the drawing board. Mm. So, you know, they are offering all these kind of technologies that haven't probably been developed yet. But in the short term, they have absolutely failed to come up with something that is helping us. Right. Exactly right. Another um, non-starter for me, solar capacity could grow fivefold by 2035. More panels placed on domestic and commercial rooftops. Really? Well, if it were just rooftops, it's one thing. Again, these things need to be subsidized, so that will add to the cost. Uh, But there is the fear that uh, huge amounts of agricultural land might be necessary to be used for these solar farms, which would cause all sorts of uh, impacts on food security and food prices and so on. So... Again, this is a wish list of things that are very unlikely to actually materialise. Yes, it's a wish list so far into the future as well that it's a typically kind of Boris Johnson-esque manoeuvre, isn't it? Because by the time we've all got there, everyone will have forgotten what he promised to do in 2022 and people won't probably remember and go, I thought you said you were going to do this and then it didn't happen. I mean, it's a bit like, you know... They're promising, as you say, it's, it's not. It's worse than jam tomorrow. It's kind of caviar in ten years' time. <laughs> yes, you know. Yes. And he, as you know, he promised us that uh, if he uh, is elected prime minister, ele- energy bills would become so cheap. You know, yes, would come down. Yeah, I mean these promises of politicians, you, you just have to take with a large pinch of salt. They, that's kind of the normal uh, PR tricks they use, mm. but. As I said, I think they are underestimating the enormity uh, and the severity of the economic and energy crisis we're facing. Mm. They have no answer to that. And that is the biggest failure, in my view, Mm. of this strategy paper. And one of the things that people ask me about all the time, standing charges going up on their local sort of electricity bill that they get. uh, I've been told that that supposedly, according to the energy companies, is there because um of all the companies that went bust that we're apparently having to pay for i don't know if that's true but if so does that have a shelf life you know how long before the standing charge goes back down once that money's been collected well that's a good question um these energy prices tend to go up and up and even when the market prices come down they take ages to be revised so and they're saying now, they're saying this will go on for at least another two or three years. So there's no chance of a significant downturn uh, in, in prices in the near future, which makes the failure of the government to do something properly even worse. Um, there are options. You can take options. You can take the taxes and the green levies of the energy bills that would probably save households on average 400 pounds i mean it's something but uh, people are facing huge pressure in coming Mm. months that's right and what about the price of oil i'm told the price of oil has dipped pretty much over the last couple of weeks to to, to, to a lower price than it was at it will take months and months when does that feed through to the pumps (laughs) yes exactly i mean when will it will it at all who knows yeah and why, the final question for you, Betty, why has diesel suddenly become about 20 to 25p a litre more expensive than petrol when it used to be the other way around? I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, it seems to be just a bit of a sort of pick a number and just chuck it at the wall and see if it sticks. I and don't they, know the you know, answer to that. I'm sure there is an answer. I don't know the answer yeah. to that extraordinary stuff well dr benny pizer i think uh, if you were giving marks out of 10 for the government's new uh, energy strategy what would you give it um i would it's a fail 
It's, it's a fail. So no yeah. marks at all. Absolutely. Neil Point. Thank you very much indeed. Dr. Benny Pizer, director of Net Zero, says that the government's energy strategy unveiled by Boris Johnson because he says we should never have to be reliant uh, on people like Vladimir Putin for energy is a fail. I think he's absolutely right. 0344 499 1000 is the number. Rob says this, working from home expends more carbon, particularly in winter. It's going to mean it's likely many more thousands of homes will be running their central heating uh, when that may not be the case if those same people were at the office. Well, I wonder actually whether come the winter, if people are still working from home, whether the cost of heating will actually force you back to the office. I mean, I said sort of only half joking at the early part of last week. It might be cheaper to actually go away on holiday with your kids over Easter because if you find a reasonably um, affordable, all-inclusive resort somewhere in the sun, you can leave the house and not put the heating on for two weeks and save yourself probably half the holiday money. Do you see what I'm saying? 0344 499 1000 is the number. Loads more coming up. This is Talk Radio. Talk Radio across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio.